My father had always been shitstorm crazy violent. But they finally put him away for it thirteen years ago, after he swallowed my mother's tongue when I was eleven. You could ask anyone in the neighborhood the kind of man he was. They all hated him and wished him dead. But no one ever lifted a finger, a fist, or a twelve-gauge against him. He was a dirty cop who skimmed on the mob's protection racket and kept the local shop owners hard under thumb. If anyone new to the area came to him for help, he'd turn their name over to the wise guys. The next day, we'd all gather in front of some store on fire and listen to the owner wail in the middle of the street as the flames ate his merchandise. Or his wife. Or his kids. My father moonlighted as extra muscle for Johnny Yakabuzio who we all knew as Johnny Booze. It was an open secret, even in his Brooklyn precinct, the most corrupt one in the city. It was the station that perfected the Brooklyn bounce, a term applied because of the money and drugs that would disappear out of the evidence locker. Lots of cops were on the take, but only my old man would strip off his blues and later go out with Booze's boys and heist a truckload of flat-screen TVs or pack his throw-down weapon for some back-alley drug deal. Even dirty cops put the blue before the long green and made sure the badge came first. But my old man never looked at it that way. Even the other cops hated him. On Thanksgiving or Christmas or even Easter, Johnny Booze would load up his Mercedes SUV with top-shelf liquor and hand it out all over town. To the church, the firehouse, the police station even the old folks' home. Johnny Booze knew if you wanted to win over people, all you had to do was keep them loaded. My father used to abuse my mother and me regularly. It was so commonplace that I don't think any of us put much into it anymore. My mother and I suffered in silence, and my old man would fume and glare and lash out at us the same way. Silently. We lived in a house of private, quiet pain. I would hear my mother grunt in their bedroom and never know if he was slapping her or fucking her. In the morning, she always looked equally bruised. She never tried to lighten my load. She never made promises that we would one day escape the brutality of my father. She never told me that I would one day make it out of the neighborhood and do something with my life. It wasn't her fault. The possibilities of life had been torn out of her kick by kick. While I sat at the kitchen table and did homework, she would sew the buttons back onto his shirts that had been ripped loose by his whores. I would catch her jabbing the needle into her thumb, and the two of us would watch her blood well. She never cried, and neither did I. Once, Johnny Booze's bagman stopped by the house to drop off my father's weekly cut and took her by the hand into the bedroom. I don't know if what he did to her could be considered rape, since she never fought or cried or showed any resistance. I listened to him grunting and calling her a fucking bitch with every thrust. I wondered who he hated so much, if it was his wife or his mother or some puppy love who'd broken his heart when he was a youth. You fucking bitch! You fucking bitch! I suspected my mother found some kind of solace in his emotion-laden malice. I stood in the hall and glimpsed his face in the bedroom mirror. It was red with fury, and he was sweating wildly. His throat was covered with twisting black, bulging veins. She held his face in her hands, 
and stared into his eyes. I thought I understood why such obvious viciousness would appeal to her. It was open. It was honest. It was human. Unlike my father's hate. When the bagman left the house, he handed me a hundred-dollar bill and said, Buy your mother something nice with this. I tried. I walked in and out of neighborhood stores, wondering what she would like. Nothing made any impression on me, because my mother hardly made one. Clothing, makeup, shoes, jewelry, food, none of it mattered to her. I walked into a toy store and looked around at the games and gadgets, and didn't care enough about any of it to even spend the money on myself. I remember standing outside on the curb in the breeze, letting my hand drift open as I watched the C-note dive toward the asphalt and then suddenly swoop upwards and out into traffic.